Well, you've heard two stories, biblical stories, one of Moses and one of the lepers. And it was done with jest and humor because, in point of fact, humor has a place in our lives. Unfortunately, Conrad Hires wrote a book called The Comic Vision in Christian Faith. And he said, in his study of the Christian faith, out of all the faiths, They're weak on good humor. (laughs) They don't pass the mustard when it comes to humor. Now I'm going to ask you something very serious, and you've got to put on your thinking hats. When have you seen a Pentecostal or a real serious zealot in the Christian church laugh or tell a joke? It seems that the serious side of our Christianity gets in the way of our human side, which is our ability to make mistakes and laugh at ourselves. The force of all of us, the need for perfection, I remember as a teenager, as these all have gone through this kind of thing, there was a certain way to act and a certain way to be, and I'll never forget, in my high school, we had clubs that had jackets, different colored jackets. There was the black jackets, the green jackets, the brown jackets, the red jackets, It was really cool, so I got excited because I was getting of the age to get a jacket. And I told my dad, Dad, could you help me out? I want to buy a jacket. I want to join one of the jacket clubs. And he said, "Um, I'm not going to help. I said, what? He said, I'm not going to help. I said, well, you know, I can't afford one myself. He said, well, he said, I'd prefer that you didn't even consider going to one of the jacket clubs. I said, but dad, you know, all of the guys, they're all together. They're really cool and everything else. And he said, yeah. He says, wouldn't it be nice that you get along with different people from all those groups instead of being caught up by one group, one peer pressure, one focus? I still was not pleased. My dad made good sense. However, to me, it was more important to be like one of the guys That pressure to be like someone, to dismiss what our feelings are, came back to haunt me later on as my son goes through his teenage years. And I'll never forget, he came out and he said, I'm having a rough time at school, Dad. And I said, what's the matter? He said, well, he says, it's probably because of my laughter. I said, what? He said, well, I got a group of friends and everything else, and every time I look at something and it's really crazy and really stupid and really funny, I burst out laughing, and they go, hey, be cool. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. That's that's not what it's about. And he said, I can't believe it. He says, so I'm starting to get depressed about, I see things from an uncanny point of view. I start to burst out laughing, and I realize I'm going to be in trouble. And I told him, I said, Derek, there's one thing. I'd rather have you be in trouble laughing than in pain, unable to laugh at yourself. The critical piece for all of us in our lives is the fact that sometimes we take ourselves so seriously that we don't give room for space and play. And a clown is the figure of space and play. As a matter of fact, when I was studying clowning early on, I found it interesting, there's a number of wonderful traditions of Native Americans who have these 
marvelous, thoroughgoing stories, unlike the Christian church, about humor and laughter. And the Sioux has a Hoyoka. And the Hoyoka does everything backwards. Rides the horse backwards, enters, goes out of the tent backwards, does everything in reverse to remind the people that things aren't always what they seem. That there's oddities that go on. Also in the Kashari, the, the Krishina dancers and stuff like that, the Hopi, they have this interaction between the clowns who come down through and intermingle and blow up the dance of the, the sacred dancers. And what they're saying is basically that the sacred and profane happen together. And it's only because of the clowns that you're able to enjoy the sacredness of dance. One other story that always gets to me because I think it was something that was close to hearing my son for the first time chortle. I don't know if you've had that experience, but the first time that they (laughs) belly laugh from within, I was spellbound, had goose flesh, had tears of joy and surprise. Well, in one of the Native American traditions, the Earth Mother creates humankind by taking together corn stalk, wraps in it meat, dirt, twigs, all kinds of things, wraps it up tight, seals it, and then tickles it until it laughs. That's their story of the birth of the first human. It's in laughter that the breath of life takes place. That tribe usually does not name any child until they've laughed publicly. And then they name the child and name it the child in that moment. We need to honor laughter. We need to honor our foolishness. We need to honor our play. I remember when I was a kid and I was watching one of the TV programs, uh, People's, and Red Skeleton came marching up to the podium. And it was a clear plastic podium, and there was a little slope there, and he misjudged it and tripped and fell into the podium. You know, and everybody in the audience, of course, goes, <gasps> It's an error! It's wrong! Something's wrong! And he starts playing with the podium and everything else, and then he starts hitting the mic like he's hitting it. Nothing. Passing! Like this. Within 15 minutes, he had the people in stitches, had been over time in his presentation and everything else, but everyone had a moment of laughter, of enjoyment, of looking at his mistake was an open door to have fun and to play. What I'm saying this Sunday is that we need to tap into that fun part of ourselves. We go through a lot of pain. We go through a lot of turmoil. We go through a lot of hurt. But it's only the laughter, the ability to laugh, that brings us back to a sense of correction, a sense of balance. The Mayo Clinic actually did a study of laughter and humor. And they found that people who laugh have a more stable blood pressure and have better situations. Even if they're diabetic, they're not as intensely problematic with diabetes. Norman Cousins wrote a book, and I've forgotten the title of it. Most of you probably read it. But Norman Cousins wrote a book because he was in the hospital with intractable pain 
And the doctors finally said to him, there's nothing we can do. I mean, they were honest for a change, which was kind of nice. So he checked himself out and went to a hotel across the street and bought Three Stooge movies, Charlie Chaplin movies, everything that was funny. Within a week, he found that his pain had subsided because he was laughing and getting oxygen and air. And the Mayo Clinics pointed out that this laughter that we have, when it's legitimate, when it's from the gut, when it's from the body, not something forced mocking somebody else, but from within, and we're laughing at ourselves or the situations that we're in, we're breathing life and we're renewing ourselves. God calls us to be renewed. God calls us to be laughing. One of the things that I love about the laughing Buddha is it reminds me that even the Buddhists, the tradition of great meditation, there's this sense of joy and laughter that exists. May we be people of joy and laughter. May we face the problems we need to head on and find in them our humanity and find in others their humanity so that we laugh, we rejoice, and we praise God.